As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to The Audible, presented by Trader Joe's. I'm Stuart Mandel, joined as always by Bruce Feldman. Hey, guess what, everybody? We're doing two episodes a week now. Uh, if you were with us last season, you remember we did The Audible Extra. That was exclusive to the Athletics app this year. Thanks in part to the fact that Bruce isn't traveling out to a game every week, we can do a second episode on Wednesdays. So the plan is Sunday and Wednesdays. We originally had a guest lined up for this little episode, and then the Big Ten news uh, finally became official about a couple hours before we were going to record, so that guest has graciously agreed to wait until next week. He is somebody, I'll just tease it a little bit, uh, repeat guest on the Audible in the past, it's been a while, and a somebody who is frequently requested, so we'll just tease that up for one of next week's episodes. Bruce... Quite a morning here on the West Coast. The Big Ten does not love waiting for us. They love to put out their announcements first thing. It is happening. And at the end, after all the, you know, how much you and many other reporters have chased the details of this, what they announced in the end was still a little bit different, at least, than than what we thought it was going to be. Right. And, and look, there's some challenges, I think, that they're going to be up against. Um, there was a couple things they announced in their release in terms of the 21 uh, day period of a return from from COVID positive diagnosis, as opposed to some other time frames that are going on around college football. They didn't announce, uh, at least in the release, what there was no schedule. But not only that, um, Barry Alvarez in the Zoom call, the Wisconsin AD, had basically went through, which is an interesting scheduling dynamic, which is at the end of the uh, end of their calendar. They're going to have, it's eight plus one, if they can get the eight in, obviously. Uh, and then it's not just a championship game, but it would be the number one team in the East versus the number one team in the West, but all the way on down the line, the number three team in the West versus the number three team in the East. And so that way they could at least try to get those, get them to nine games, which I thought was, is an interesting wrinkle. All right. So who do you think is going to be in the uh, East seven versus West seven game? Let's, pr- let's <laughs> predict it right now. <laughs> I think Rutgers is Rutgers is going to going to have pole position on the back end of that. Yes. Um, 
Now, the key part of this, and everyone's going to say, well, what exactly changed and, and how did this unfold? Um, you know, as we've reported a lot, um, so much of it got back to the daily testing element of it. And when Larry Scott, the Pac-12 commissioner, talked about their deal with Quidel, which they still don't have the test yet, but that would be a game changer is how he called it. And I think for them, and I think the president of your alma mater, Morty Shapiro, on the Zoom call, uh, made a stronger point when uh, our friend Pete Thamel had asked it, you know, what if there was a, a turning point in the decision process. And, and he said it was... You know, those meetings that we talked about in the Big Ten with their medical experts. And he said five weeks ago, the medical team was more divided. And once they got daily testing in place, that's how we move forward. I think that there's always going to be people who are skeptical of that. They're going to say, oh, it was because of the the pressure from the parents and from Ryan Day and from so on. and, And or just the fact that the other conferences had started up and they're being left behind. But I think all those things are true. I'm sure that that pressure contributed to there being more urgency uh, to them, maybe not waiting till Thanksgiving. But it's clear from from that press release that was put out, from the comments on the press conference, this would not be happening if not for the fact that they can now do the daily antigen testing. And whether that was because the Pac-12 made that deal first or or whatever else you want to factors you want to consider i mean i'm i'm convinced that you would not have enough big 10 presidents on board if they weren't comfortable with that now you may say well the, the sec is playing the acc the big 12 they're playing they're not doing that you know why is that so important to the big 10 uh, i don't have a great answer for that other than different parts of the country have have treated this differently than others i think that the conferences that are playing right now are comfortable with clearly they are comfortable with the numbers that you're seeing of positive cases, as long as they're, you know, mild or no symptoms, they've just accepted that they're going to have to postpone games. And they have, I don't think the big 10 was ever comfortable with that. They are banking on the fact that this will limit, if not prevent completely those kind of outbreaks. I mean, they made a schedule that has no off weeks in it. So that tells me they're pretty confident that they can pull this off. Um, And so it's just a different approach who knows? Maybe it'll end up in the end of the day looking like the smarter approach if they get their season off without a hitch. Uh, but the five weeks of uh, the five weeks soap opera that led up to this—I mean, it's—I'm thrilled the Big Ten's coming back. I can't wait to watch Big Ten football, and I'm glad that they will at least be considered for the playoff. But it's not going to make everything that happened over the last five weeks like all wounds are healed. It's—it's it's hard to state quite just how much um conflict and and bad feelings and distrust has been created by the way this all went down well one thing that it came up and i did a, a radio show this morning with uh it was in louisiana with t bob Aber, the former lsu player and you know we one of the things that i felt like came out you know we were discussing a little bit was the perception of this and i think there's a lot of people who are going to say, okay, well, the Big Ten really screwed this up and look how they, you know, they're coming around and they got it wrong. And I definitely think the Big Ten botched the explanation of their process. The part that I think it's too soon to tell, the SEC hasn't even played a game yet, right? And other, you know, we've barely gotten into the season 
at this point. So who knows what this is going to look like, right? I mean, we don't know if there's going to be a pause at some point for, you know, if there's going to be teams that have postponements in the Big Ten or other other conference schedules. So I think the thing that, you, you know, I, I to, to maybe look at this as we're looking back a little bit is, yeah, I think, and you and I have talked about this a lot about Kevin Warren and, and the Big Ten's, um, you know, handling of that announcement. But I think I think at least on this front, in terms of getting in a better place with their understanding. And I know I talked about this on TV the other day of they felt like they had a much better handle on the myocarditis cardiac issue now. And some of it is because they have more resources at certain programs that maybe weren't ready for that at that point. And now at least they have some protocols and contingencies lined up. But again, I think this is going to, you know, we're still in the beginning stages of this. I mean, I, it still feels a little bit like you're talking about threading a needle to some extent um, to, to make to pull this off. And, and one thing uh, mentioned it's on the Big Ten Network this morning was concern from coaches. And I'm not talking about coaches in the Big Ten. I'm talking about coaches who have actually played games now is there is a worry about, well, what, what's going to happen for, t- you know, some of these teams that may start out 0-3 or 1-2 or struggle a little bit because right now you're asking the players to be so accountable and mindful of everything they do. And if some of their, some of the wind comes out of the sails, do they let their guard down a little bit? And what does that mean to the issues within the football program? Just because you are doing daily tests doesn't mean you're immune to anything. So, you know, it means you should be able to catch it and control it better but again, I think there's a lot of stuff we still are going to find out about from this fall. Well, I believe the number is we've already had 13 games postponed uh, through three weeks. And this includes the games coming up this weekend. Uh, you know, right now it's early enough that in most cases they're able to find another day that they can play the games. Or, you know, in the case of BYU Army, they're going to try to find just find a different team they can play at some point in the season but if it keeps happening you're going to eventually get to the point where you just can't play those games and so i think if you're the big 10 you know obviously that conference it was as of today will be at a disadvantage come selection committee time if their champion is you know having played nine games and the sec's teams have all played 10 or 11 but who knows how many games and and any of them will actually get in by the end of it. And that includes the big 10, because by the way, in that uh, press release includes some very specific criteria for what would the thresholds that you would have to have to require a game to be postponed. And it's, it's basically, it's based not on how many number of players are available, but the, the positivity rate in tests at that moment, 5% positivity rate would cause the game to be, would cause a, a pause in practice and, or, a game being postponed. So even with this advancement in testing, there's no guarantee all those teams will get all their games in. So um, I think that we're in the very early stages of a very unusual season. If all goes well, your best case scenario, your best case scenario is that we get to the end of the season and we have a playoff debate unlike any other. And we both addressed this in stories today. What does the committee do? How does the committee handle there's there's no threshold there's no official policy on how many games a team has to have played 
Uh, how does the committee handle comparing teams that may have played? Let, say the Big Ten champ is eight and one, and they're going up against a, uh, an SEC team that finished um, nine and two. They lost in an additional game, but they also played two additional games. This will be. I'm sure everybody will handle this very reasonably and rationally. Yeah. Um, it was interesting to talk to people in the middle of that process, um, you know, whether it's Bill Hancock from the CFP directly or conference commissioners or people on the committee about how they think it's going to play out. And there's really no timetable. And, and the one thing from the CFP is basically the only threshold to be eligible at this point for consideration is to be bowl eligible. Uh, and the NCA hasn't set those standards yet, but you know, I'd ask Bob Bowlesby, who's obviously the Big Twelve commissioner, um, and they have, you know, they're part of this playoff management committee. Uh, I don't know if I said, do you would you suspect people would, you know, conference your peers might not hold it against the Big Ten, but the fact that I've heard this before, not from people in the committee, but the kind of supposition that well they the the big tens decision kind of boxed everybody else in and put a lot more pressure on them would that be something they would uh they would hold out and bowlsby said he wouldn't but at the same time he said i can only speak for myself and i think that they look at it and say well you know what they're gonna probably play less games than us they'll have less body of work and one of the committee members I talked to had said, well, if, if that team is looks on paper that they're on, on the field, like they're deserving, whether they're five and O compared to a seven and one team, we're going to judge them that way. Um, but Bowlesby's point is, Hey, look, just because they're starting in mid to late October, that doesn't mean they're, they're not going to have a disruption in their season like everybody else. So Again, and there's no wiggle room with no buys in this thing. So there is the prospect of of a much shorter margin for error if you're a Big Ten team. And, you know, who knows? I mean, that's part of the rabbit hole that we're going to go down. I, you know, in these discussions, I did hear from somebody who made the point, this is a committee person saying, you know, if there's a team that had players quarantined and couldn't play and they, and they lost, and it was a team that we think is a top, you know, top team, we're going to probably, at least I am, going to view them as such in kind of that's the asterisk element of 2020 in the pandemic. Back to the podcast in a second, but first a word about Earnest. Now's the time to get your student loan payments under control. You could be saving by refinancing your student loans with Earnest. Interest rates have hit record lows, which means it's a great time to refinance your student loans and see if you can lower your monthly payment. You've been making the same monthly payment on your student loans for the last couple of years. Odds are you could reduce your payment and save by refinancing with Earnest. Checking your new rate is fast and easy to start. Complete a few questions online. It only takes two minutes. Then you'll get a personalized rate estimate without affecting your credit score. And now you can get a $100 cash bonus when you refinance a student loan with Earnest.com Audible. Once again, you get a $100 cash bonus when you refi your student loan at earnest.com slash audible. Not available in all states. Visit earnest.com slash audible for more details. Terms and conditions apply. Earnest student loan refinance loans are made by Earnest Operations LLC, NMLS number 1204917, California Financing Law License number 6054788, 
303 2nd Street, Suite 401 N, San Francisco, California, 94107. Visit earnest.com slash licenses for a full list of license states. College football Saturdays are back. I don't have time to cook on a Saturday night. I need, I don't have time to even go pick up uh, food from a restaurant if I want to miss any of the games. So, of course, go to DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local restaurant, and your food will be left at your door. DoorDash deliveries are contactless to keep communities we operate in safe. So here's what you do, Bruce. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code AUDIBLE. That's $5 off your order and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code AUDIBLE. Don't forget, that's code AUDIBLE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Another unique aspect to all this, of course, we've seen players opt out uh, most recently at Ohio State. Uh, Wyatt Davis, their great offensive lineman, Sean Wade, their star cornerback. Sean Wade notable in that it is his dad who was leading the Ohio State um, player uh, parents uh, protests. Uh, Will they now try to opt back in? Uh, Same can be said for some other players. And of course, a factor there is that some of them may have signed with agents and under normal times and traditional rules, the minute you sign with an agent, that's it. You've lost your eligibility. Uh, Tom Van Heron from ESPN tweeted with regards to a player who opted out and signed with an agent. If that player wants to come back, depending on what was exchanged, the athlete can try to go through the student athlete reinstatement process to gain back eligibility. If he wants to play this season, this is a very unique situation because these guys opted out because they weren't getting any answers from their conference. And now that the conference has finally decided on something, I think there's going to be strong sympathy from almost anybody that they should be allowed to come back in. All right. So there's, you can find this story on the athletic. There's two uh, key components here from talking to administrators in the big 10. The first, and this is not an insignificant one, but is an academic piece of this. When does the players classes start? Um, in terms of that, because there's an academic element of that, certainly. But then the second one was not only whether they signed with an agent, but did they accept any benefits from that? And there is a precedent right now, according to you know this one person from the Big Ten, cited the case of Arizona punter, Arizona State punter Michael Turk, who actually went to the combine but went undrafted. And ASU built a case that Turk would be able to, to uh, return to school it was related to COVID um, in terms of that appeal. He he won his NCA approval in the case, um, and their compliance director had told uh, our colleague Doug Haller at The Athletic that he was not aware of him receiving any benefits. So there's that element, and I think the thing that will be interesting, and this is, I don't know the answer to this. Not only did they sign, an agent, sign with agents, but... Uh, people I've talked to in the Big Ten, but other places have said 
they're seeing a lot of players who have felt a lot of pressure with agents swarming, trying to lock in clients. So not only would they have done deals, but they would have already had something where they probably couldn't opt back out of the deal. And I'm not saying that's happened in any of these individual cases involving a, you know, a handful of the, the big 10 players. Um, but you know, you would think if it's something that happened and there was a couple of cases starting with, I think, Micah Parsons and Rashad Bateman from Minnesota, those happened pretty early on. And so, you know, did, have they accepted nothing in this process or, or whatnot? I don't even know if those players want to come back at this point. But that part is going to be an interesting next level element of this as well that's going to be playing out. And there's already been uh, LSU has one opt back in. And this is a a pretty good defensive lineman from them, Neil Farrell, but his really was the, I think a family member was sick. He went back to Alabama. Uh, in the case of Farrell, he had to basically go before the team's leadership committee to see if they were willing to take him back. And then there also had to go through the compliance piece of this as well. Hi, I'm Andy Staples with The Athletic. No matter what fitness fads you follow, one thing is true across every one of them. You have to get hydrated and stay hydrated. The best way to do that is liquid IV. It is the most efficient way to get and stay hydrated because each serving helps you get as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. Why is that? It's the optimal ratio of glucose, sodium, and potassium delivered into your bloodstream. I live in a place where it is scorching hot, very humid, lose a lot of water when I go out running. I drink a liquid IV beforehand. I drink a liquid IV when I get back. It feels great. Partial to the acai berry before, lemon lime on the way back. I'm not sure exactly why it works out that way, but those are my favorites. Also, if you've celebrated a little bit, it doesn't have to be a workout thing. Maybe I had a neighbor who was testing out smoked old fashions, and maybe I had a few. Maybe I had one too many. When I got home, I drank a liquid IV right before bed. I felt fantastic in the morning. So how do you get yourself some Liquid IV? You go to liquidiv.com and you use the code ATHLETIC at checkout and you get 25% off anything you order. That is 25% off anything you order when you use the promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. So get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. All right, so we know the Big Ten is coming back on October 23rd. We have their plans. Of course, everybody now is going to say, what's going to go happen with the Pac-12? And it's been interesting that we haven't to this point, up until yesterday, I would say, hadn't seen any of the, 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 the pressure and the, and the you know, anger and frustration that certainly the Big Ten has had in spades. Um, but on Tuesday, we saw the USC players put out a letter to California Governor Gavin Newsom asking for him to loosen the restrictions that currently prevent them from practicing. And we immediately saw other prominent players around the conference doing the we want to play hashtag. Um, Larry Scott, as soon as the Big Ten announcement came out, put out his own statement. And the very first thing he mentioned was the restrictions in California and Oregon. Uh, you you reported out a story on this. Where do things stand in the Pac-12? I think right now they're in limbo. I mean, look, there's there's a couple of things. First of all, on the sh- in the in the d- right now situation, Oregon has wildfires. Uh, they can't practice at this point. I mean, that's 
real, real significant issue, uh, as well as what's going on in Southern California here. I can't speak to Northern California if they could, if they could play because of the air quality, but they, you know, down here, USC and UCLA can't even practice in terms of the local ordinances. So for people who see the story that I worked on with, with our colleague, Christian Capel, um, there's a couple layers to this in terms of like the Big Ten's postponement was essentially self-imposed. There were no state or county restrictions. It was, it's different with the PAC 12. And so when you talk to people in the conference, and this was a strong quote from, from one of the coaches in the league who said, it's like, we're, we're in an entirely different world here than the rest of the country. And I think their timeline is different. I mean, realistically, and this is a conversation that I had uh, last night uh, about this very thing after the USC players came out with one of the administrators in the league. And the timetable is how early could they start? And realistically, I mean, I had asked, is it possible you can start mid-November as the earliest? Uh, Because again, those... Those tests that they the deal they did it wasn't like they they did the deal and all of a sudden they got the daily test that was going to take a, probably another month to to implement. So what I was told is if they can really hustle, maybe they could start November seventh. And the thinking is six six games, maybe a championship game, and maybe you could finish in time for optimistic hope that you could get get consideration for the CFP. I think. I think that's very, very, very optimistic, but I would be surprised if they could start any time earlier, even if they got all sorts of green lights to, to change with the daily testing in place to go any time earlier than, than around mid-November. Yeah, everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. And, you know, everybody in the Pac-12 loves to say, fire Larry Scott, fire Larry Scott. I would say this is an instance where Larry Scott has actually handled this whole situation very well and it was his and his deal that he went out and got with Quidel that probably we will never know for sure uh helped get things in motion for the Big 10. I remember when he made that announcement they said that this that they were able to get that all in line about 2 months earlier than they had originally expected. So based on the info available on August 11th the the the, the um the idea that you could get to a point where you would be able to do daily rapid response testing seemed like something that wouldn't be possible for till November or December. Instead, it's going to be available at least according to their plan. I mean, the Big Ten says there's September 30th. So, so he got that deal done. Uh, they've been they did not have any of the drama and the dissension that the Big Ten did. Everything was everybody was in agreement. But now their hands are tied. Uh, first, because of the the local and health ordinances, and then even if they can get that clearance, the Big Ten teams were, were you know, they did all the phases. They did the walkthrough phase and the small group phase, and, and they were they had actually started training camp when that decision came down. They just hadn't gotten to the contact practices yet. Pac-12 never got to that, so they need five or six weeks to ramp up once they actually have the ability to do that. So you're already at that point uh, talking about, what November 1st or so and 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 that's if you got those clearances tomorrow which by the way like you mentioned earlier I mean the wildfires I can't stress enough these are historic destructive devastating wildfires that are not totally under control yet 
And so to ask the governors of California and Oregon to you know, push Pac-12 practice to the top of their agenda right now is probably not realistic. I feel bad because obviously the Pac-12 already has this perception that they're, they've been on the outside looking into the playoff the last three years, and they're definitely not going to be part of the playoff this year. And in fact, I think they were hopeful they would be able to align their season with the Big Ten. Maybe they both start on Thanksgiving or they both start in January and they end up playing a Rose Bowl, and that's clearly not going to happen. So now, once the Pac-12 does come back, uh, it's going to be it's just going to feel like an exhibition season, I would think. They're, I mean, they'll play for a Pac-12 championship, but they'll be doing that on some alternate timeline while the rest of the country, the rest of the major conferences have already competed for an actual national championship. Also, if, you, if you're thinking, well, maybe they could play without the four California schools, I mean, there's no school that has carried a conference on its back the way USC has. So if the other schools, and again, this isn't something somebody has told me. I'm just saying this is a perception thing. This isn't something that you know I've heard from ADs or anything. But the idea that somebody would say, oh, well, the other eight schools are going to go forward and the four California schools are going to have to sit it out. I mean, yeah, there's like I said, there's if, if they got into that precedent, I don't think the Pac-12 wants to say to USC, yeah, sorry, you can't make this work, but you know, we know you've helped us for, for years with, with, uh, TV revenue and making our brand that much bigger, but it's just not, it's, it's, that's just not how things work out here. Well, it, first of all, if it were one school, that would be a different story. Six of the schools, half the conference can't practice right now. And also, yes, they've come out and, and they've publicly said that they will, that Larry Scott, I believe was the one who said, you know, they're, they're going to do all 12 together. So, um, obviously, some season is better than none. The players deserve an opportunity to play. They would get back some of that TV money. Uh, certainly not not going to expect ESPN and Fox to pay full price for a a season like that. But uh, it's just I, the effects could be pretty. I mean, that that could have some long term. Not some. Long, I don't know. I think I'm not torn on that. Like how badly that will affect the Pac-12. I think it would have affected the Big Ten in recruiting a lot more if they couldn't play a season than it would the Pac-12. But it doesn't help when you're already dealing with the Pac-12 network, lack of exposure, late start times and all that. And now you're literally going to play a season that's not that's like a minor league season, like a triple-A season, that's not in line with the other major conferences are doing. We could have college football from the start of that uh, Austin P Central Arkansas game to a Pac-12 game in I don't know February March who knows uh, a, quite a long run maybe I should and rethink then you, and then you start up with what the MAC FCS I mean whoever else you know if they're going to be playing at that point uh, I think I might need to rethink what I said a bit ago if the Pac-12 at this point, the Pac-12 might as well just wait till January once the, once the playoffs over, and they'll have the whole season to the stage to themselves every week. If you're a college football fan on Saturdays in February, and you're going to watch an Oregon State Washington State game that you might not have in uh, in November when there are other options on. Maybe this will work out in the end better for them. I don't know. Well, the weather would be on their on their side certainly in that in in this part of the country. It's not to say that. You don't get bad weather in Pullman or Utah or or Colorado, but for the most part in this conference, that uh, 
that wouldn't be as big of a concern. Well, let's wrap about by talking just about okay, what this season's going to look like now. I mean, we both on the on the Sunday episode we talked about watching games on Saturday, and it was fun, and we saw some big upsets, but it still didn't feel like a regular Saturday because there were so few games and so few teams involved. This Saturday's is an even lighter slate. The SEC comes back next week. Obviously, that adds a whole other dimension to it. But I feel like once the Big Ten comes back on October 24th, only then will it feel more complete. Uh, and granted, it's going to be weird that there will be teams that will be 4-0, 5-0, 3-2, and the Big Ten teams will be 0-0. Uh, but at least you'll have everybody on TV except the Pac-12. I think we will adjust to that. I, I Just because everything else has been so much up in the air. Um who knows? I mean, it, this is all like everything is TBD. Everything's a fluid situation. And, and I think the, the thing to, you know, keep in the back of our heads is just, you know, who knows how much this is all going to, going to, um, you know, be impacted by the virus going forward. You know, like I think one thing that, and I find myself kind of lulling, lulling into this is certainly I found it Saturday at, at Fox, you know, being around the studio, being around our guys is it's back to normal again. And I'm not sure, you know, just because, just because the, all these things are going forward, you know, I, and I'm glad it's going forward, but at the same point, I think we're still going to get a lot of things that are, probably a lot of hiccups in this thing. And that's, that's what I think is going to keep us from feeling like it's all right. It's, you know, there's, as we, as it was pointed out in the zoom call on the big 10, there are no, not going to be any fans in the stands. I mean, there's still just going to be a weirdness to this whole deal, even in its best case scenario. Yeah. It, we're not out of the woods yet. I mean, all from, from the from the time this first became COVID first really hit the country at large in March everybody talked about now nothing has gone exactly on the trajectory that that people predicted then but everybody kept saying watch out for cold and flu season you know it could come back in a hurry once it's cold and flu season so we're not out of the woods by any means uh and i did think that was interesting that the big 10 not just school by school but as a whole conference is opting against having fans in the stands which is going to cost them a lot of money when we watched games over the weekend where there were decent a number of fans at the Florida State game and the Kansas State game. So again, just different approaches from different parts of the country. Not our position to say one is right or one is wrong. I don't think we'll know that answer for a long time. Um, but just the difference between, for instance, Ed Ogeron on his Zoom call this week saying that most of his team has already had COVID and and he now, so because of that, he's hopeful they won't get it again um, versus the Big Ten saying, the Big Ten said today, if a player tests positive, they're out for 21 days. Not four, not 10, not 14, 21 days. Just completely different approaches to the same challenge, the same set of data. Anyway, as I wrote in my column, I'm I'm excited. Uh, I'm I'm a bit relieved. I think that this, for me, as a Big Ten alum, as somebody who grew up on Big Ten football, this would have been a very incomplete season if they weren't involved at all. Um, we still have to wait another five weeks, but at some point we will be watching Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State and Wisconsin and so on. And I think that that'll be exciting. We'll see you guys next week. 
you enjoy the Audible, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review and a rating if you could, too. It helps us get the word out. Our producer is John Hayes. Our theme song is Dangerous by Kevin and the Octaves. You can download their music on Spotify or Apple Music. Follow me on Twitter at SL Mandel. Follow Bruce at Bruce Feldman CFB. If you're not a subscriber to The Athletic yet, this is the perfect time for you to join. In honor of hitting 1 million subscribers, we are offering a crazy promotion, just $1 a month. Normally our annual subscriptions are $5 a month. This one is $1 a month. Just use our code here at The Audible, which is theathletic.com slash theaudible to get your annual subscription first year, $1 a month. Adrenaline, it doesn't matter what it takes